on this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs. Hi, damsels. I live in South Carolina, and my family is, let's just say, tolerant of my queerness. More importantly, my younger cousin is going through a difficult time with the law that bans transgender youth from participating in sports that match their gender identity. I think it would be helpful to connect with like-minded people so that I can learn how to be a better advocate for my cousin, but work and taking care of things at home leave little time for me to actually get involved. I understand my experience is only one of many, but how do I become a better advocate for my cousin and for myself? Sincerely, aiming to do better for myself and others. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. There's some damsels in the DM. Yes, queen. <laughs> Tell us what's the vibe. Uh-huh. What's the vibe? Some damsels in the DM. Who? Please tell us what's the vibe. DMs, DMs, yeah, we see them. Yeah, we read them. DMs, DMs, we don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. I'm Lauren. I'm Osh. And I'm Alejandro. Happy Pride! Happy Pride! Happy Pride! How are we all celebrating? Learning how to be uh, a better advocate for the community. Yes, and also a better better ally for the community as well. Yes. That's those were really good answers. When's the parade? I have no idea. I know there was one. I think in WeHo last week. Okay, I like think. this past weekend. Um, maybe. I'm so bad at keeping up with it. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like so chaotic that like, like I, I appreciate the sentiment behind the big um, festivals and like parades and things, but then it's just so much. And then, you know, there's, there's just, it's, yeah. It How do you feel about like companies, you know, doing everything for pride, like with the rainbow and whatever else? Like, how does that make you feel? I mean, if they're going to do it, like at least do it throughout the year. Don't just put it up for like this month. It's almost like treating it like Halloween where it's just like, oh, we have this special high commodity opportunity to sell a bunch of merchandise and put a bunch of rainbow stuff on it. And like, who's actually buying that stuff? It's, I don't know. Like, I again, I appreciate the sentiment behind it. However, I don't know if like it's sincere. So I feel like this is the same thing that happened during Black Lives Matter, like 2020, when all the protests were going on. I feel like companies all of a sudden wanted to be like woke. And so they had like all of these black and brown models that were modeling for them. And I saw companies go from having mostly white models to now having like a whole range of people. And that's the same thing that I I just wasn't that happy about it because I was like, if you were going to just you know, like, why just do the same thing that you were doing? Because now you're just doing it to fit in and to be woke. Like, you clearly don't care about the actual message. You just want to look like you're not woke. Yeah. I'm curious, though, like, in terms of language, since that is something that we use every day, mm-hmm. um, have you ever held someone accountable for, like, either inappropriate or offensive or discriminatory language? Yeah, I have had, um, I mean, I went to school in Indiana. 
um, well, college, right? So I went to college in Indiana and it was really crazy going from, I mean, I know Madison, Wisconsin is also a very white town, but um, I was surrounded by a lot of people of color. I think we had this conversation. I felt like that was when I realized that like, oh, like there's so many people of color around me. Like, this is cool. Like I have, like, I fit in and I feel like yeah. I'm like heard and seen, which is so crazy to say that was Madison, Wisconsin is the one that like made me feel that way. Right. Um, but moving to Indiana, I definitely have had uh, in passing or in like, you know, um, I spent a lot of time uh, in at frat parties and um in that like frack of you know greek community um and i have heard a lot of you know people use words that are not appropriate at all and i've called them out on it um and it felt good at the time but also it kind of felt a little scary because it was not it was 2013 2014 and it did feel a little scary to like kind of you know speak out against these people who say these words because you're in Indiana, you're like on their home turf and you're surrounded by a lot of people who feel that way. So it was kind of scary to speak up, but you know, it feels good to put people in their place and make sure that they know that they're not, what they're doing or saying is not right. Totally. I appreciate that you spoke out. I had an incident recently happened where I was at this event and I had gotten like a tequila soda as my drink. And this person that I had met the day before, this was like a several day sort of event thing. And um, the person that I had met the day before, we ran into each other again. Um, and I, you know, he noticed I was drinking something and then he was like, oh, what, do you, what did you get? And then I was like, oh, I got a tequila soda. And then he's like, oh, a gay staple. And it confused me because what? on one hand, I didn't know if he identified with the community or any part of it but then the other thing was just like why why is that connection there and I was also in the midst of so many people that I didn't want to create any awkward energy by addressing the confusion behind his words and I don't know it felt really odd and like it didn't so much affect me in that moment but later on I was just kind of pissed at myself for not saying something or not asking questions um, and trying to figure out like what was the reason behind saying something like that, um, because like I said, if if it was clear that he or if we had had a conversation or if like I understood that he identified somehow with the LGBTQ community, then I think that would make it um, that would add some levity to the situation. I think. Yeah. However, I, I, there, there was no clarity. I don't know. It just um, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it was uh, also, again, frustrating that I didn't speak up when I, I probably should have. Yeah. It's a really hard balance, I think, between like being in this position where you're at a networking thing and you don't want to rock the boat um, totally. versus also standing up for what you know is right. And I always, when I'm in a position where I hear somebody say something that I either know is wrong or that I don't agree with um, or that language is being used that I would prefer not to be used that could be offensive to other communities. I always try to think about it in a way like if I'm going to address this, is this because I want to feel better about myself for having called this out or am I trying to help this person in their growth and learning about how to use language appropriately and correctly and authentically? And if I can say that I'm going to say something because it's going to benefit somebody else, then it's always worth it for me to having 
called it out. And maybe it's not necessarily like for the benefit of that person learning from their mistake, but because of like the next person who they may speak to and language that could be offensive to them or make them feel like, for example, if somebody used the F word to describe somebody and I didn't call them out on using it. And then they say it to somebody who's in the midst of their coming out process. Like that would make me feel so awful that I didn't nip it in the bud when I had the chance. Mm. Um, So for me, I always ask myself those questions before I address something like that. And I actually do it a lot with family members and close friends as well, which I think is actually when it's like, you can really see yourself making a difference. That's also why I always advocate for like straight men advocating for therapy, because I think the more they can do that to their friends, like the better it is for the rest of us. And I think the more that we can be honest with like family members and friends, like it's coming from a place where, you know, you have respect for that person and you love that person. So you can say it like, Hey, I'm trying to help you honestly, because I care. Um, And I think that those are the times where it really hits the best. And I've had good experiences with doing this. And I've had really bad experiences with doing this because, you know, it can really turn into like a political argument. Like Brian and I were at an event recently and somebody was wearing a Trump 2024 hat. And uh, he texted me like, um, hey, somebody here is wearing a Trump 2024 hat. No politics tonight, please. And I was like, oh, so that is, is that a challenge or a threat? Because <laughs> uh, game on. <laughs> game on, baby. I'm ready to play. Let's go. Um, and you know wow. I spotted that man the second I got in there. Oh, yeah. It's so easy. It's so oh, easy. Yeah. Stand out like a damn sore thumb. Uh, but anyway, Alejandro, what I wanted to ask you about particularly was do you remember your first pride after having come out? Yeah, I do. It was really cool. Um, I remember what I wore too. It was this like Puerto Rican flag jersey sort of thing. Actually, it's similar to like this A shirt that I have on right now. But yeah, it was my first time. It was in Ferndale, Michigan. And um, it's a popular LGBTQ friendly community. And um, it was really interesting. It was really a beautiful experience because like I hadn't really experienced anything like that beforehand and to just be around so many people who were just vibrant and colorful and to see drag performers like just live doing their thing it was so much fun and yeah to was that when I I think that was when I met someone that I was talking to on MySpace and we decided to meet up there at the pride event so it was like yeah it was it was interesting but it was it was cool what was that oh my god I think that was like 18 when I first went I would I I find it really interesting what you're saying about like the pride celebrations and um you know how you have to have meaning behind doing it and I think the celebrations are interesting because like when I think back to, you know, a little Alejandro who was, had just come out and was going to this celebration, I would think, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this, that like having these celebrations after having come out or being in the process of coming out would allow you to feel a little bit more represented by seeing other people being like proud in this identity. Do you feel like that's true? Yeah, it was really important to be there and to experience it. And like, I know I began this episode saying like, I don't really get into going into these things, but like, I do understand how important it is to feel seen and to feel part of a community. Because when I was in school, 
I was like one of the only people who had came out. I mean, I, I there was a GSA alliance, the Gay Straight Alliance um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that existed. I wasn't super active in that, but yeah, it was interesting. Like I, it didn't seem like I was uh, very much part of a community until I started going out and experiencing events like that. Um, also because it's school. So it's like, you know, yeah. You really care about anything happening at school. hetero population. And um, I mean, there was also bullies that I had to deal with when I was in high school. So that was frustrating. So again, to go to an environment where it was like just this wholesome atmosphere where it was super supportive for everyone. Um, that was really, really important and really beautiful to, to see. I remember um, kind of related, but not really to pride. But uh, the first time I went to a club, I I remember my mom, she was like really nervous about me going. And I was just like, you know, I was totally, I was very <laughs> open uh, with my parents um, back then. And I remember I was just like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna go check this place out. You know, I know there's drag there. So I'm, I really wanna see uh, what it's all about. And she was so nervous that she actually drove behind me separately. <laughs> So that, because like it was, it was a place that I had never been. You, you, it was just uh, an area that definitely, you know, one had to be safe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she was so nervous that, like, yeah, she followed me behind the car and she just like drove me there. And like, yeah, once I got there, she's like, that's okay, so da, cute. Da, da, da. And then she took off. She didn't go inside, but it was still. I don't know. I can't help but laugh when I think of that. <laughs> but I mean, I was really fortunate in that. Um, circumstance or in that situation and I understand that that's not the norm for uh, a large well I I don't want to quantify the number of people that might not have that but I I know that that's not the universal case for everyone as we see with you know these discriminatory bans on trans youth uh, participating in sports across the country it's infuriating to to know that you know these kids can't participate in sports that match their gender identity and to know that it's like that this legislation continues to spread across different states it's just so wild i i mean i, I remember i was looking at um there was like a list of headlines on rooters and just seeing like the, the yeah the the number of instances in which this is happening is just really really sad and yeah i, I mean I don't know. I can't. I can't imagine what sort of like helplessness they must feel to not be able to participate. Because yeah. the thing about like sporting events. I mean, I was a swimmer for a large majority of my life. One of the best things about being involved in a sport is I was able to make friends. I we spent so much the time community. together practicing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a it's a community, and there's like that common bond where it's just like okay, like we gotta you know hit these milestones. We gotta train. We gotta da da da. And to go through the ups and downs of, you know, victories, losses, whatever, it's, yeah, it's a really, really great way to build community and to feel good about oneself and about one's accomplishments. So for trans youth to be denied access to all of that, I just can't help but wonder how they are getting access to to community. I don't know. I don't know. It's, I mean. As an ally, um... How, what if for people who are listening or even not allies, just anyone that identifies with the community, what are things that you think we could be doing to actively like help that situation? Um, whether it's like, you know, texting 
people who like are the decision makers, like taxing your, like the senators or like, what are things that we could do that kind of help push this forward? Well, I know California is a little more progressive than um, the majority of the country, but uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, staying updated with the LA LGBT Center mm -hmm. and seeing what kind of advocacy things or education things they have going on. And I think the same can be done for other states. You know, I, I think there has to be, like in Michigan, I know there was a center called Affirmations that was right in Ferndale as well. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that one's home should dictate their involvement in possibly another state's yeah. um, LGBTQ center uh, or the activities going on there. But I think, yeah, if you have a state in mind or if you have a community that that has a special place in one's heart, figuring out what where the um, organizations are that support these communities and staying involved, staying informed, um, and even volunteering, you know, volunteering, lending one's skills um, for whatever. I, I think that's a really good way to be a really great advocate yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because I feel like we get a lot of messages from people who are so appreciative to have your perspective on the podcast because you see so many just heterosexual dating podcasts who only talk about that perspective. And I think even on the podcast, sometimes it's difficult because we'll talk about like, oh, men do this, men do that. And we're not really taking into perspective, um, how that's different in the LGBTQ community. And, you know, I wonder like, even as a podcast, like what are ways that we can even be better allies there and make sure that we're honoring multiple perspectives on the podcast? We do have like a wide range of listeners and because we all three of us have our own unique perspectives. Like we want this to be a place where people feel comfortable to come and like, listen and be like, okay, like, okay. Yeah. There are dating stories that they talk about that. Like i you know, relate to and that I can like identify with. So I think we should um, definitely open that up more. I love that you said that too, because on the human rights campaign website, if you click at the bottom where it says take action, there's a variety of ways. And I think we can definitely incorporate some of these on our own podcast, whether yeah. it be adding it to the link tree or not. But just like you said, Ash, sharing one story or posting on social or just even calling Congress or emailing Congress. like. Mm -hmm. Those are some really great ways to have some sort of voice in advocating for positive changes for the community. Yeah, continuing off of that, like I always want our podcast to be a safe space for people in a multitude of different ways, whether that's writing in how you're feeling or also just feeling like represented or heard when you're listening. So, you know, if there are ways that we can be doing better to open up the conversation to different types of communities, like please write in and let us know because to me, that is the purpose for the podcast and the mission behind it. Um, I always want to make sure that we're honoring different perspectives and helping people through situations that I wish that I had a little bit more help with. And is also a lot of what our mission was behind creating Defining Dodo. Um, so Agreed. I was thinking about that too, where it's just like one of the best things about being passionate about storytelling and using our talents to uplift communities is the fact that we can create narratives and powerful stories that make a positive impact across the world. I mean, we were able to get into festivals both in the United States and internationally. And to have that recognition that, you know, this coming out story and the story about friendship and living authentically and 
going past the cages of machismo, it's really important and it's really affirming to know that just by creating um, an audiovisual experience that is able to like advocate or highlight the experiences of the LGBTQ plus community, it's it's really exciting. And now I understand too that the access to resources like having a crew to to make that happen or having you know even funding to submit to festivals that might be a challenge for some people so you know again i think whether it's volunteering or reaching out to different organizations there's always a powerful way to lend one's voice and expertise to be able to uplift and advocate for change i mean you know going back to the hrc um, there was some interesting facts where it said, you know, basic freedoms are missing in 29 states for LGBTQ plus Americans, like the right to rent a home or the ability to receive public goods and services. And then there's also a map on the site that highlights 18 states that address discrimination against students based on sexual orientation and gender identity. And then two states address discrimination against students based on sexual orientation only. And with the remaining number of states, it's like wild to think about how many individuals are living in really intense circumstances where there is no representation, mm. where there is no advocacy for their well-being um, or access to important resources that can help, you know, contribute to a well-rounded life. I mean, that's why it's really important to have communities like Fernda Ferndale. Yeah in Michigan because I mean when you said that there was a community like that in Michigan it was like it's like really nice to hear that because that's where we also need to put a lot of our focus on like not California because we're pretty progressive here or the east coast but like in the middle of America there it's not like there are no people like that identify with the community so yeah. it's like we do need to put our focus in middle America because I can't even imagine the number of people that are struggling there that don't feel safe to come out or to tell their story or that are made you know felt like there's that something's wrong with them and that they need like some conversion there or something stupid like I know it's just insane in those places so I mean, Michigan's probably a little bit better, but it is nice to hear that there is a community like Ferndale out there for people who don't really have access to other resources. And it is interesting. You you mentioned Indiana. I was actually born in Indiana. Really? There was one time I went, this was years ago, but I, I remember going to a bar with some cousins and because at this time I was living in Michigan, but I would come to Indiana to kind of visit every so often. Mm -hmm. And there was one time I went and I, I remember I was dressed, you know, I was really into scarves and an extra zhuzh. I'm a huge fan of the zhuzh. So it was just this, like, you know, I draped it around. I was just doing my thing and, you know, whatever. I was having fun with my outfit. And um, so we were at this bar and I remember going up to the bartender to get a drink. And like, it was so weird because like, the guy, the bartender knew I was waiting for a drink, but like he looked at me, he, it was like I was invisible. He treated me like I was totally invisible. And like I was just like waiting. And it wasn't like there were that many people at the bar at this moment. Mm. So it was like, to me, and I, I couldn't really put my finger on anything else except for the fact that how I was presenting myself seemed 
off-putting for this bartender and yeah it was it was bizarre I I don't even think I was able to get a drink I remember going back to visit my cousin or going back to where my cousins were and then just kind of left it at that but it was another instance where like you know I didn't want to create or cause a scene or cause tension um, just because I didn't know like what was what was the intention behind treating me that way and I don't know. That's something that I'm trying to get better at in life. Yeah. Which I think Speaking I up. Yeah. Speaking well, yeah. Up, yeah. And I think that's why your perspective is so important, Alejandro, because you did overcome so much in your life. And I really appreciate how honest you've been about your coming out story, both on the podcast and in glimpses in Defining Dodo and through press that we've done there, because I think there's so many people who don't have that role model or don't have that representation of somebody to look up to. And through your story and through what you've gone to and also being able to hear like your day-to-day life in dating as an LGBTQ plus person in LA, like so many people really benefit from hearing that. And, you know, there's not enough people like you out there. And I think that's just makes your perspective so much more valuable. So I really commend you for being so open and honest and being where you are and having persevered through so much. I appreciate you for saying that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like the journey has been full of twists and turns, but you know, I feel like there's also a lot to be thankful for. Like I said, my parents, yeah, we had a rocky start when I first came out, but I mean, I came out in the spring of 20, what was that? 2004. Yeah. Spring of 2004. And by that summer, uh, my mom got my first boyfriend and I tickets to see a Gloria Stefan concert. I remember oh, you cute. Yeah. Really <laughs> and, oh my God, she was actually at the um, event that I was at this past weekend, the oh, wow. Los Angeles Latino International Film Festival. Amazing. It was wow, dumb. what a full circle moment. Yeah. Very much a full circle moment. But yeah, I like I said, I do, while I'm very thankful for you know my family, for having been as supportive as they have been and f- being able to explore a community and be become a part of communities, you know, in Michigan, um, here in LA, you know, I, I understand that there are challenges that come with that, but, you know, I think a big part of it is just like searching, investigating and being endlessly curious to see what sort of options are available and, yeah, just seeing how you can help. I mean, it's just, it's a simple question of how can I help? I think it's that simple. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be this long drawn out process of, oh, I have to go to this meeting. Or I have to go do X, Y, Z. No, and, you know, I think just the simple question of like, how can I use my skills to help further your mission or further what you're trying to accomplish? I think it's as simple as that. And I think a lot of positive change could come from that for sure. Um, speaking, going back to coming out um, and coming out stories, how necessary do you think that they are going to be in the future? Because it is kind of, it is ridiculous, right? Coming out and being like, hey, mom and dad, like mm-hmm. I'm attracted to other women. I'm attracted to men. Like, it's weird to, I mean, it's as a straight person, obviously it's a privilege that I have, that I don't have to have the story, this conversation. Um, but like, it is frustrating that you know, people in the community have to have this conversation with the people and like around them and be like, hey, like I'm gay or hey, I'm a lesbian or like whatever they identify with. But how how do you think with times changing, hopefully, you know, 
faster than the rate that it is going right now because it, sometimes it feels like it's going backwards. Um, but let's just say, like, if it was like an ideal world, how necessary do you think it is to have like a like I have to come out to my parents? Hopefully, it doesn't have to happen. I mean, as you were describing that, I I remember seeing this clip on social media of this comedian who had admitted they never really had to come out and they they were just authentically them all their life yeah. and you know when they brought a partner on like it was just normal like it wasn't any sort of like awkward energy it was just that person living authentically and not really having to have like a, a sit down sort of conversation that's amazing i think yeah I, yeah i think I, I wish it was like that for everyone i was gonna piggyback off of that because um, we had Jose Medina on the podcast many, I guess like season one. Alejandro and I both worked with Jose Medina. He's a lovely person. And he came on this podcast and he said something that really shocked me to my core, which it shouldn't, but it did. And he said that people from the LGBTQ plus community have to come out every single day of their lives. Because every time you meet somebody new, every conversation you have, people are wondering like, oh, is this person gay? Is this person trans? Blah, blah, blah. And I never had thought about that before that like every time somebody's wondering and every conversation you have and like, it's your decision. Do I disclose this or not? But like, people are always going to be thinking about that. And I felt like that was just such a powerful thing to think about because I don't think that we think about what the LGBTQ plus community goes through on a day to day and that it isn't just one conversation. It's a conversation that you have throughout your life with multiple different people who ask questions about it going forward. Um, and Jose Medina, his story is so powerful because he also had a really difficult um, coming out story that he talked about on this podcast and with stories. And I know we keep going back to defining Dodo, but like coming out in a machismo culture is different than coming out in um, a community that's very supportive towards it. And I'm sure there are many families who, you know, have these machismo values who are supportive, but in many of them, and exactly what Jose Medina came out of, um, it's really difficult just because of like the negative connotations that the LGBTQ plus community has around them. And it just makes that moment of coming out so much more difficult. So I, I hope that as we continue growing as a society and as a culture, that you're right, Ash, that we don't have to have this moment of this like big coming out. But I also hope that it doesn't have to be these little conversations that people also have to yeah. do um, weekly, daily, monthly. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just, it's none of their business, you know, like it really is like people need to get a hobby. They need to focus on other <laughs> things because it's not your business. Like it's the same thing when it happens, like the only way that I could relate to that in any way. Um, and Alejandro, maybe you can relate. I mean, you probably can relate to this too, is when people ask the, what are you question? Like when they want to know where you're from. And that happens to me, like every time I'm on set, like always. Um, and I can't imagine adding that extra layer of like now people trying to figure out your sexual orientation because like it literally is none of your business. Like, why does that change anything about your life or like how, what, how that changes your, or like, how does that affect your day or your life in any way? Like it just, it doesn't. It depends on who is asking the question. Um, ah. Because going back to Lalif and the event, you know, it was, it was all people from the Latinx community. Mm. So, you know, that already kind of creates an umbrella sort of like comfort level almost like a family experience yeah. so 
you know, being asked, oh, what, what, what are you? Da, da, da. Like, where are you from? This, now, where's your family mm. from? Like, going into that conversation um, with that intention. Or no, that's that different. A thousand percent. Yeah. I mean, that's totally different. Yeah. Oh, that right? is a thousand percent different because I get that with my Indian community as well. It's like trying to figure out where your parents are from, where you're from, the languages you speak, the yeah. food you ate. Like, that's kind of like relating to it. But I have had, and I know you've had this too, where there's a lot of people who are like trying to just like, like pick you know it's like going to like be like oh what kind of animal is that like where do you think they're from like it's like that like I've had a lot of photographers do that to me I've had a lot of people be like oh but like you're like you're from India and like people be like but like this one girl who's actually a UTA agent who's not an actor uh, in the uh, I think they're music or something they were like but you're so beautiful and they put the butt and they literally what? didn't even have to say the butt because it was a quiet butt they didn't even have to put that but it would have the same meaning and I, this was during a party, um, 2020, it was like a house party. So it was very like a small, intimate group of people. That's so disappointing. I got up and I walked out, by the way, I literally went to my friend. I was like, we're leaving. Like, I, I don't want to, I feel like I'm going to say the wrong thing or I'm going to burst like into anger. That's I'm going to cry. Like I, I want to go, That's but so I've had ph- photographers do that. Like it's, it's very different when you're in the community and you're like, oh my gosh, like where are you from? Like, you know, what town, like what languages, like what food, like did your mom make this too? Or like, that's really cool to like have that. Or if genuinely you are trying to learn more about somebody's culture, but then when you're coming from the angle of like, this is just for my own curiosity, because like, I just want to put a label to people like that's not okay. Well, I was going to say that. So I was just recently in Mexico and I speak Spanish. So I even get that question. Like, why is this girl speaking Spanish? Like, are you actual Spain Spanish or like, what are you doing basically? So Mm -hmm. I also think that language, and I know language is something that Alejandro in particular really values. It can also be used as a way to learn more about somebody and learn more about like, what cultures did you grow up with? Because, you know, I think we've talked about this before, but like, travel is such an important thing also because it does allow you to learn more about cultures and the more you know about other cultures the more empathy you can have for what other people are going through it makes you so much smarter and not everybody has the privilege to travel and I totally understand that that's such a privilege but I do think that like keeping that openness to other cultures and keeping that openness to sharing a community or sharing a bonding moment does make us stronger as a society definitely yeah for sure Definitely. Well, now seems like a reasonable time to dig into this letter. What do we think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we have, hi, damsels. I live in South Carolina and my family is, let's just say, tolerant of my queerness. More importantly, my younger cousin is going through a difficult time with the law that bans transgender youth from participating in sports that match their gender identity. As an adult, I'm also struggling with ways to connect with the LGBTQ plus community. I think it would be helpful to connect with like-minded people so that I can learn how to be a better advocate for my cousin, but work and taking care of things at home leave little time for me to actually get involved. I understand my experience is only one of many, but how do I become a better advocate for my cousin and for myself? Sincerely, aiming to do better for myself and others. Well, I think... In order to be a better advocate for this person's cousin and for themselves, I think, you know, I'm just, I want to go back to what we had talked about earlier of just like getting involved either with the nearest local LGBTQ community center or reaching out to a big one like LA LGBTQ center. Because I think there's a lot to learn from places that are doing it right, that are, you know, setting a good example for what can be done. 
because then you know i think that allows someone to maybe like migrate all of those good things and adapt it into their own community in this case in south carolina um and i mean as in that's terrible that you know this legislation is happening and that this cousin is having to go through this horrific experience of not even being able to participate in sports but i mean I can see why there would be like a sense of feeling defeated. However, we can't give up. Yeah. There's no giving up. There's there there really is like you know you got to put in the work and you have to you know stay updated, stay informed. You know, HRC has a bunch of great resources. Yeah. Um, I mean, even googling you know LGBTQ advocacy groups, there's a whole list um, and. You know, even like staying updated on like trustworthy news sites that show headlines of what's going on. I mean, even though the news might not be so pleasant, um, I think it is important to stay informed, um, to to know either what's going on locally or just again figuring out how to be a better advocate. So I am a big believer in building your own boat, and I know it can be very difficult, like easier said than done, but. What if you create your own, you know, t- like um, whatever sports that your cousin is like interested in? Like, what if you create your own like league, you know, and have people who are struggling with the same issues like join, like create your own, you know, like, okay, yeah, like it that. is really hard to change minds of like the gov- whatever is happening. Like it is, it takes a lot of time. But like if you want something that's like immediate and you want something that's like good for the community and good for other people and good for your own soul, like why don't you start something? I I really like to think about like, how can we make these negative situations matter? Um, To me, that is like the most vital lesson we could take away from these bad things that happen. And like, I agree with you completely, Ash. And what I would say is like, can you go a step further and call your elected officials, um, you know, bring news attention to this. And it doesn't have to be South Carolina news. You can call a California news outlet. You can call a New York news outlet. People will pick up this story. Like how much media attention can you draw to it? And I understand if like your cousin doesn't want you to involve this situation specifically, but how can you do it even on a broader scale just to call on elected officials to see change? I was really inspired. Um, I don't know if you guys had the chance to see Matthew McConaughey's uh, speech to, um, it was, I think it was at the White House news briefing um, where he was talking, he's from Ovalde, Texas, and oh. he was addressing um, elected officials on change that they could make in legislation. And he went to Ovalde, he spoke with the families there um, who were both survivors and also people who lost family members. And I just could not get over how you have an actor here who's really using his platform to make these lives matter. And that was what he kept coming back to. And I was so inspired by that. And it's what we've talked about before. And it's my personal career mission. Like, how can we make our careers matter? And I would just say, how can you make the pain of your cousin also matter and call on change that will benefit other people? And like, yeah, that's that's a big task and maybe but you're asking. And it doesn't mean you have to do this alone. You can call on other people. I would be happy to get involved. So, you know, if you want to write to us and share us your information, I would be more than happy to help um, with drawing media attention to this. So, you know, just don't ever be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to raise hell over it. You know, we go back to John Lewis, like create good trouble. I love that. Yeah. Try to riot. (laughs) 
<laughs> and get damsels to do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's going down in the DMs. <laughs> it's going down in the DMs, okay? Literally and figuratively. Um, but everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this very important episode of Damsels in the DMs. Always feel free to write to us with questions like this. You know, we're really passionate about social justice and social advocacy. And as much of a role as you want us to take place in, whether it's advising or getting involved, we are up to the challenge. I also just want to say that because we do want to create a really safe space, like it's okay if you ask stupid questions, you know, we're all learning. We all are learning. So I do want to make sure that, you know, don't feel like any of the stuff that I've been saying through my experiences, through Alejandro's experiences, through Lauren's experiences, that you're, that you're being like targeted or that we're going to bite your head off if you say anything that's like politically incorrect. But like, if you're trying to learn, then this is a safe space for you to learn and ask all the questions. And no question is a dumb question if you are really willing to learn. Hell yeah. I love that. Intention is everything. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Damsels in the DMs. Until next time. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Bye. DMs, DMs. We don't need them. We just leave them. Please. Yeah. It's going down in the DMs. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.